This is episode 126 of How to Human. And in this episode, I want to tackle the concept, all feelings are valid. And whether or not that is a true sentiment that I have heard before, and I think is a, I'd say a given in today's environment. And depending on how we define valid, the answer is no. So I decided to define it. No, I didn't. I definitely didn't define it. I looked it up on Google and it said the definition of valid is having a sound basis in logic or fact, semicolon, reasonable or cogent. And if that's how we define it, that it has logic behind it, then no, not all feelings are valid. All feelings exist and everybody has a right to have them, but if we assume that all feelings are valid, meaning they have, they can be acted upon, that they are, yeah, actionable is a good way to say it, then that gives every person with any feeling the right to do anything and think anything that is current in their emotional awareness. And that's really toxic if we think about it and play it out that way. And I know where that comes from. It's totally well-meaning. The meaning is we don't want to deny people their emotional expression. And this comes from centuries of denying people their emotional expression. And particularly, I mean, the marginalized. So if we look at how we treated Native Americans or black people or women or Latinos and they call out the crap that society gives them, the unfair treatment and different ways that they're being kept down and nobody is listening to them. Those went on deaf ears, those cries for help, those cries for change. And the idea is that when somebody is telling you about their problems, they need to be heard. And those problems come in the form of telling somebody about their struggles, which is often in the forms of, this incident affected me this way. It's an emotion, it's an emotional expression. And in not denying people their emotional expression, we are listening to them and making an empathetic world where people can express their problems, be listened to, and then be acted upon. We don't look people who are in pain in the eye and say, I'm not going to listen and or I don't care. And that's the well-meaning idea behind all feelings are valid. It is letting people with pain be heard. And it's a great idea. And it's similar to some of the things I've covered in the recent podcasts about unintended repercussions. And I've got several examples here of how this can be this noble idea. Because the idea here is to, it's always to increase happiness. The idea of any emotional changes are often towards empathy, towards not 
intentionally or unintentionally causing people harm, generally physical or emotional harm, but in this case, emotional harm. But in the course of not wanting to cause anybody any harm, what happens? So here are some simple examples. I've got a child, a teenager, an adult. I don't know any four-year-olds who like broccoli the first time they try it. Every four-year-old says, no, I'm not going to eat that. Dave Messman, that's not true. I know a couple four-year-olds who ate broccoli, no problem the first time. Okay, you, you may have. You cannot deny this pattern. Children are generally picky eaters. Dave Messman, some parents are good at that and like train their kids to eat better. Yeah, I get it. That's a minority and that's a disingenuous argument to say that kids are not picky eaters. Here's my point. Not wanting to eat broccoli, not wanting to try new things is an emotion. It is not logical to want to try healthier things because generally, right, we all know this, things with sugar taste good and things that you've eaten before are familiar and trying new things that are generally healthier. Healthier things generally taste worse. That's why people don't eat healthy. So yes, broccoli isn't on anybody's, well, many people's number one choice for foods they want to put on their plate, but you do it because it's healthy. Anyway, kids are going to not eat broccoli, but we got to make them do it because it's good for them and because we need them to have a a palate that has many different things on it, or they're going to grow up and just eating chicken nuggets and french fries just like they do, a lot of kids do when they're 12 years old, which is a separate obstacle because kids, because parents don't want to push their kids because they don't want to make them upset because they, because all emotions are valid and the emotion that I don't want to eat anything except chicken nuggets and fries is an emotion. It's an emotional expression of my discomfort with eating new things. So, it is an emotion to say, I don't want to eat broccoli, but it's not a valid one. It is a childish want to not want to be uncomfortable. Because per episode 79 of How to Human, the primary want of emotion is to not feel pain. And when we let that be the driving factor, we don't do painful things. And the problem is all the best stuff is on the other side of pain, fear, and hard work. And we have to do painful things, hard things, things that cause fear to get things. And if we are avoiding pain, fear, and hard work because they're uncomfortable, because they make us feel bad, then we never do things that grow us. Teenager. Tons of teenagers play an immense amount of video games per day. And short of parents telling them to do it, I'd bet most of them would prioritize video games over homework. Dave Messman, that's not true. I know teenagers who can prioritize homework over video games. Sure you do. I bet you do. But let's not forget the truism that is often the emotional want of immediate gratification. Because 
doing things that aren't fun is rarely prioritized over things that are fun unless you can connect the long-term implications to it, meaning understand that it's better to do a difficult thing now to get better results in the future. And that's a logical choice, to do something hard now for a future payoff. And the immediate choice is to do something fun and or avoid pain by doing the immediate gratification thing. And lots of kids have trouble with that. And if the feeling is valid that they want to play video games instead of doing homework, then they get to do it. And it's training. It's all training. So this is a, a pattern. If people learn to give an immediate gratification because it feels good, because all feelings are valid, then they learn that over the course of time, a pattern develops, that you don't have to do uncomfortable things as often or at all. And that is a requirement for being a good human being, doing uncomfortable things, putting your feelings aside. Your feelings of not wanting to be uncomfortable sometimes are valid. Of course they're sometimes valid. My God. My God, they're valid. But sometimes they're invalid. So what I'm saying is the statement, all feelings are valid, is often true, but not always. Therefore, the statement's untrue. All feelings are valid. False. Some feelings are invalid if they are worse for you. A feeling that keeps you stuck or makes your life worse is a really bad choice to give in to that. Therefore, you shouldn't do it. And if we define valid as logical, all feelings are logical. Well, that's not really what the statement means, but it kind of it means that. It means all feelings are something that you can choose use to make decisions. That's incorrect. It's definitely incorrect. And the real statement really means all feelings exist and should be listened to and evaluated and understood. That's what that really means. And that doesn't mean that they're not to be listened to, of course. If somebody's in pain caused by something external or internal or whatever, you need to understand it, you need to think about it, and you need to make changes sometimes because feelings are often the trigger for something that's wrong, often, not always. And understanding those feelings is an important part about making necessary corrections. So yeah, I mean, it, if you have a, you know, a homophobic thing going around school and that makes you feel bad and you understand that that makes other people feel bad and it creates a culture that you hate, like that feeling is valid. And so the things that marginalize people and hurt people, those feelings are valid. And as an individual, sometimes your feelings are saboteurs. And you need to understand that because if you let a bunch of saboteurs inside your your brain and that those saboteurs 
help you make decisions, it's obviously sabotage. Adults, I don't feel like going to work today. I just don't feel like it. <sighs> Most adults don't feel like going to work tomorrow. And they do it anyway. And it's a feeling, and this is a, unlike those other examples, this is something that most adults do anyway. They overcome this feeling, and it's a great example of the fact that as you get older, there is an expectation that you are going to overcome feelings, overcome emotionality that keeps you from making good logical decisions that when you future pace are really important to you. You go to work even though you don't feel like it because you don't want to get fired because you need to make money because you want to live a certain kind of life and if you are run by your temporary want to not be uncomfortable you're going to make bad decisions. There, I mean this, we're aware of this idea that, and it's more common with younger people, they'll go to, I mean, we see it like in movies represented. Some people will go to their job at, I don't know if I'm allowed to say like restaurant chains, but I will. They go to Burger King and they're working the register and the boss yells them and they say, screw this job. And then they like take off their name tag and their hat and they throw it on the counter and then walk out. And that's clearly an emotional reaction. And I'm not saying it's not justified, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes you screwed up and somebody's correcting you and if you're too emotional about it, you're gonna be making emotional decisions that you'll regret later. Because nobody's gonna feel good all the time. That's an improper expectation. And frankly, that's a feeling that is permeating this culture that I shouldn't have to feel bad. And that comes from this whole idea. Parents want to feel good and they don't want to feel bad. So they don't correct their children. So they coddle them. And there's a whole coddling of society in general of not wanting to hurt people's feelings. Therefore, they don't expect their feelings to be hurt. Therefore, they run around thinking that having pain is something to be avoided and can be avoided. Therefore, they try to avoid it. Therefore, they make more short-term decisions instead of doing, handling the pain that is near-term decision-making that benefits you in the long-term. Because it's a thing, generally. Dave Espin, this isn't always true. This is mostly true. It hurts. Decisions that are short-term painful are long-term beneficial. And decisions that are short-term beneficial are long-term painful. We do hard things now so that we can get a benefit later. And we immediately gratify ourselves now while putting off the things that need to be done later that would benefit us. Right? I mean, examples, school, work, diet, exercise. These things aren't fun, but there's a payoff later. And it is 
the human reality that we all live in. And so those are really easy examples that I gave. Uh, the four-year-old and the broccoli, the teenager and the video games, and the adult who doesn't want to go to work. And they're also kind of obvious. And I thought of some other examples of how this plays out in the real adult world. And I had a friend who went to a store and she was, mm, I don't know, hit on by one of the cashiers. And she gave him her number and then he began texting her. And she didn't really like him and it was awkward for her. And she said, don't text me anymore. And she relayed the story to some friends. Oh, well, let me go in a little bit. She felt that it was a little bit awkward now going back to that store, having that guy who was nice per her comments. He was not out of line. And, but just, you know, as men can do, was pursuing. That is regular behavior that we expect in society. And she, as she relayed this story to some friends, they, she acknowledged some awkwardness the next time that she'll see him or go to that store. And her friend said, a couple of friends, that's not okay. It's not okay for him to make you feel like that. And my friend didn't feel that way, that it was a part of normal human interactions. And sometimes there's a little bit of awkwardness. There's a little bit of gray there. And sometimes we walk in the gray and that's expected. But her friends wanted her to feel as they did that it is not okay for anybody to <clears throat> make you feel a certain way that is bad or awkward. And it was on him to not do that. And A, that's a weird thing because you're expecting other people to emotionally regulate you by not doing things. That makes a societal expectation that nobody ever makes you feel bad or awkward, which is a little bit crazy. And it is representative of an idea that when people feel bad, it is to be fully accepted that as, as, as something that shouldn't happen. And what happens there when that becomes an ideology that is spoken and expected is that people are really fragile. People are really wary of those gray areas such that they don't want those gray areas to exist. And that feeling that you should never be in a gray area or be anxious or be worried or like the, the feeling that 
those friends were trying to put on this other friend. Those are scary ideas that, it, right, it, it, Dave Messman, are you advocating for aggressive men? I'm not in any way whatsoever. This is a giant gray area where we have things. And like, I can get into Aziz, I'm sorry, in a second, and I probably will, but we, we live in a world where people are interacting emotionally and people need to respect, people need to have their own boundaries respected, A, number one, no question, and B, understand that the world isn't going to bend to your will. There are going to be hard feelings, there are going to be hurt feelings, there are going to be difficult situations, and your expectation, your feeling, the expectation is a feeling that you're not going to be uncomfortable is an invalid feeling. You're going to be uncomfortable sometimes. And so the feeling that you shouldn't be uncomfortable sometimes is an invalid feeling. So Aziz Ansari, I guess I gotta give a brief summary. This is several years old. An anonymous woman put up a, told a story to a website and he, she went over to his house. They did some, uh, some kissing and some oral sex stuff. And she felt like she was giving body language cues that he should have picked up that she wasn't into it. And by her own acknowledgement, she did not say no at any point and she expected him to read the cues. And she left, went home and cried, and then wrote this blog post, and, or rather reported to somebody else who wrote the blog post. And this is that same complexity, that all feelings are valid. She does get to feel bad. She does get that. And she, her expectation that the world should understand her cues exactly as she puts them out, I don't know if that's a valid feeling. And look, this is super nuanced. I don't like lecherous men, but I also don't consider this lecherous. And it is not that definition by somebody else with their own emotional expectation of how the world should play out, if it doesn't match reality, because at a certain point we have to match reality with these emotions that it is not a reality that you can't, you can go through life not eating broccoli and you can play video games all day and you can skip work because you're tired. That's not reality. And it's not reality that everybody's going to understand your nonverbal social cues, body cues, and boundaries need to be set out loud even if they make you feel uncomfortable. And she didn't want to set boundaries herself because it would have made her feel uncomfortable. Okay, 
So somebody else is setting your boundaries, whether it be Aziz or society, by strictly defining male-female behavior, that's complicated, right? Look, this is super nuanced, and I'm probably not going to litigate the entirety of this. And this is really easy to straw man and say, Dave Messman, men are at times monsters of sexual assault and sexual violence and it's a gray area and this is in that gray area and by pointing to this gray area what you're doing is on some level validating that monstrosity the monstrosities not really i mean maybe i mean i'm not it, it, maybe you can interpret it that way and that's part of some of the emotionality here all emotions are valid that your interpretation, whatever I stir up for you, becomes valid. That however you hear me saying this means that it's true. That's not correct. There is, on some level, objective fact. And, like I'm talking about feelings, so none of this is objective fact, but it can be interpreted that in my discussion of gray areas that I am validating certain things that are considered illegal or immoral or improper by some. And you feel that way and then you repeat it and that's your feeling. And that's tough because people do feel certain ways and you can feel that way and you're going to take those feelings and act upon them. And yeah, I mean, look, maybe you'll send me a death threat at the end of this. And fine. Feel how you want to feel. But when we're arranging society based on how you feel, there needs to be logic behind it. It isn't... So, in the example, the first example I gave of the guy who texted the woman many times. I mean, he texted her many times. And she, he was polite, she was polite, and some people felt that it was not okay for him to text her over and over again such that she felt uncomfortable. We well, you know what the solution to that is. Men shouldn't text women. Men shouldn't hit on women because it might make them feel uncomfortable. Is that the world you want to live in? Well, maybe Dave Messman, maybe men should only text women when women have made it clear that it's okay. Oh, you are talking about a lot of legislation you, and understanding of feelings and the legislating of gray areas and the elimination of gray areas and a world where that's a lot of emotional protection sometimes you got to feel uncomfortable we and look i'm not for people feeling uncomfortable I, nobody should say the n-word out loud of course not don't be crazy i'm trying to talk about the gray areas here and maybe like i don't want fat shaming i don't want people marginalizing others because of their education level or um, 
where they live or how they voted or any of these other things. Like, we should be kind to people, of course. And in the course of people who aren't kind to other people, and this is going to be complex because I'm going to talk about that in a minute, we can't legislate kindness or an expectation that your feelings will never be hurt. Because sometimes people can be kind and it's misinterpreted and their feelings are hurt. That guy who texted that lady, he was intending to be kind. And it's people are going to have different emotional reactions and we can't control for every emotional reaction. And so if every emotional reaction becomes something that should be listened to and then eventually perhaps acted on or legislated on, that's crazy. And so I hadn't thought about this. I wasn't going to bring up this example, but I'm going to. I got a call maybe six months ago from a client and he was very angry at an email I wrote to him and he misread it. He did not understand the tone that I was intending. He thought I was charging him for something that I shouldn't, I was saying that I should charge him for something that he didn't feel I should be charging him for. And he also didn't understand the situation. It's irrelevant. He was out of line. And he called me up and he started yelling at me. And he was in the wrong. He was treating me as an adversary when we were actually on the same team. He was my client. He didn't want to listen and he gave me no space to push back because his anger level was so high and I had to be respectful because I'm respectful and emotionally intelligent, despite what some people say. And it was very awkward and we had a very tense conversation and we hung up and I was sad and angry for several hours. Were his emotions valid? Were my emotions valid? His emotions were not valid. My emotions were valid. And where am I going with this? Where was I going with this? It is going to be the case that no, what I wanted to go in is say, what I wanted to say was that um, we can get mad at people who are douches for no reason. There are going to be douches always. Evil and crazy will exist forever. Not that I'm saying this guy was evil or crazy, but out of line for sure. And it is something I don't want, but we can't control. And My point is that people have emotions and there is a want. I have a want for some people to not put their emotions out. And I think that it is okay for me to say that guy was totally out of line and he should be eliminated from expressing himself in that way. And so it is okay for somebody to say, you hurt my feelings, you shouldn't do that anymore. I mean, that, that's my want, 
It's a want of mine. I can't do anything about it. I can't legislate people to not be dicks. This is something I talked about in a, an older a podcast, I don't know, two weeks ago. I was walking in a mall and I saw two guys holding hands. They were, I was gonna say, presumably they, they were gay. They were gay. And the, I thought about how 50 years ago, somebody would have said something negative to them, some kind of homophobic comment. And that would have ruined their day. It would have ruined their, maybe their weekend. And it would have been hurtful and hateful and shouldn't exist. I agree with that. Their emotions by being hurt, totally valid. And the emotions of the guy who would have said something, totally invalid. And we don't want that. And so we create a peer pressure that says, in society that says, don't hurt people's feelings. And that's correct. And at the exact same time that we want to, this is really the goal of saying all feelings are valid is to let the offenders know that people get hurt and therefore offenders should be more cautious because yeah I mean that, that's the main point but then at the same time what we started telling was that telling people was that victims of offenders all their feelings are valid and their want to never feel hurt was valid and what that led to was their expectation that the world would coddle them and never hurt their feelings and they want to make a world where nobody hurts feelings which is a which is coddling and it's a societal want for coddling because nobody wants to have their feelings hurt and we expand that out right we've got children being coddled we have people in the workforce being coddled people who are overmanaged who aren't expected to work as hard or understand as much or work as long hours or be as independent there it is a difficult through line in society to have people that are emotionally fragile because if all your feelings are valid, all your feelings of weakness, every time somebody makes you feel uncomfortable or a situation makes you feel uncomfortable, if all those are valid and not something you need to overcome, that makes you fragile. Sometimes you overcome hard feelings to come out stronger on the other side. So I'm shy. I grew up pretty shy and that I get uncomfortable in social situations. It's sad, I know. Nobody cry for me. And what is, is that my state? Is it my state that I always feel uncomfortable in those situations or do I 
change myself and build myself by doing a bunch of uncomfortable things, such as going into situations I'm uncomfortable and persevering and trying new things, which are difficult. Dave Nesman, who cares about your shyness? It's an example that people do difficult things in the course of growing themselves. I've used this example a couple times. I have a 48-year-old friend who has been without a job for five and a half years, and he fears rejection. He's scared. He's depressed. And nobody cares. Those feelings are something for him to overcome. Giving into those feelings, giving into feelings of, frankly, victimhood, that it's so hard, the world is so hard, the world is so scary, the it's not going to work out well, I'm more safe not making any changes, not facing any possible rejection. Those are him giving in to his feelings. And nobody should cry for him either. He should feel embarrassed. That's a feeling he should embrace. And it's an example. I mean, that's separate, but, you know, it's not separate. It's the same concept. The same concept of not wanting to hear or experience uncomfortable things makes you really fragile for hearing and feeling uncomfortable things. So you never want to do it. So you expect that they never exist. And it's those gray areas of life where things are uncomfortable that A, growth happens, but B, life happens. Life isn't going to go the way you want it to, no matter how hard you try to make it that way. I... was, here's an example. Here's example number two. Coronavirus is apparently, you know, happening around the world and it's spreading. And I've heard that people have been intermittently very mean to Asian people. And I've heard that people are eating at Chinese restaurants, maybe even Asian restaurants as a whole, and their business is down and it's causing a big problem. I had a peripheral person to me, this was reported to me, that they didn't want any bubble wrap from China sent to them because if one of the bubbles popped, they, it might have coronavirus, which is obviously ridiculous. But all this stuff is illogical. It's emotion-based. It's fear-based. And having that fear be driving you is invalid. If your fears are making you, are putting you in situations where you're making illogical decisions, then that fear and giving in your feelings in that particular situation is invalid because it doesn't serve you. The question really is whether or not your feelings serve you. Feelings serve as notice that something is wrong. And sometimes 
that thing that's wrong is you. Sometimes you're scared because you're not strong enough to persevere. That's a hard one. Dave Messman, you just killed everybody who's scared. I didn't. People are scared for reasons. People are scared. I'm not saying that, right? There are marginalized people all over the world who have fear and are scared and dealing with difficult situations that are totally valid and that they, these are external things and situations they can't overcome. And sometimes, separate sentence, sometimes people are scared of new or different things and it's irrational and it keeps them from doing new or different things and that doesn't serve them. It is avoiding scary things is what children do. A friend of mine often says, infants are incapable of regulating their, mm, regulating their emotions. And that's the start. Children are much more emotional than adults. There's an expectation that you become more logical as an adult. And so if an infant can't regulate his or her emotions, it's, and let's just go to 40. Let's presume you're totally logical by age 40. I wasn't, but most people should be. And, right, I mean, that's nuanced. I don't mean totally logical. I mean, but logical enough to make more good decisions. Because as I'm trying to say here, emotions sometimes don't lead to good decisions, particularly when they lead you towards immediate gratification. So we're starting at age zero, when you're totally emotional, and age 40, when you're as logical as you should be, there's a progress there. And if you are giving in to your emotions more often than you should, you are making decisions that don't serve you because of your generally fear, your desire for good emotions, you desire to avoid bad emotions, that's more childlike because children are more emotional. That's uncomfortable to hear, maybe, but that doesn't mean it's not true. Here, example number three. I, Tyson Fury fought Deontay Wilder last weekend. And before the fight, Deon Tyson Fury said, I want to taste Deontay Wilder's blood. Weird comment. Fine. He gets to say what he wants. And then they fought. And then at a certain point in the fight, Tyson Fury stuck out his tongue, what seemed to be like a attempt to lick up a little bit of Deontay Wilder's blood. Yes, it's weird, but he gets to do that, I guess. It's definitely weird. And on Facebook, Dave Espin, Facebook isn't real. Kind of. It is, it is the virtual space where we trade ideas and seen by a lot of people. It's representative of our social fabric. And since we're so much more virtual than we used to be, it is at least a representation of 
where society is moving, where culture is. And like I say a lot of times, and I'll probably say again in a minute, the things we say out loud become culture. And so when there is an idea that is seen a lot on Facebook, it's representative of it being a larger cultural narrative that is coming to the surface. And that's how it works. The more people think something, the more it is in the consciousness. So anyway, so I'm reading this very strange post. And it was, mm, it wasn't from a person, it was from kind of like an organization. And it made the point that this was a sexual assault tied to the larger concept of white people feeling entitled to black bodies in the way that extends all the way back to slavery. And I mean, on the face of it, that's nuts. In fact, it is nuts. One, because Tyson Fury is a gypsy. He is from England or Ireland or something like that. And has no connection to American slavery. Gypsies are, as I understand it, a pretty marginalized people. And, right, I mean, it, I'm not denying the existence of the idea that there is some still, there is a lot of pain in there. The black experience in America is deep, it is hurtful, it is long, it is disgusting, it is like a thousand different things, right? And that doesn't mean that one white guy who tried to lick the blood of a black guy has any connection to it. Sometimes you're just stretching. Sometimes you look at a situation and are wrapped up in your want to see it in a narrative that works for you and want to have other people feel the same way. This is pretty akin to the first example where the woman's friends were trying to tell the woman how to feel. This, like, I think it's pretty obvious. This was just about one weird dude uh, who did something weird and it doesn't have to have a connection to this other thing. And <clears throat> By connecting it this way, by saying it out loud this way, and describing it as sexual assault, and that doesn't, I'm not demeaning anybody's pain or saying that horrible things haven't happened in the past, but sometimes people stir the pot, the emotional pot, just to look for ways to, I don't know, I mean, I actually don't know. I mean, I think it's, it's crazy, it's nuts, and 
it's I'm pausing because it, it's it's uh, it's always difficult to talk about racial stuff because it, uh, in the idea that all feelings are valid, and a large group of people who are incredibly hurt and are still hurt as a result of things that my people did, it it becomes this very awkward thing to talk about. But that doesn't mean that they can't come up with some nutty opinions about a situation that had nothing to do with what they're talking about because there is a tendency to see situations through a lens of pain. There can be a neutral situation that has nothing to do with anything and historical pain is the lens through which that situation is viewed. And it's invalid. Dave Messman, you don't know. Okay, you're technically right. I, there's a 0.001% a chance that actually was sexual violence. And Tyson Fury was aware of this idea. And maybe it's so subconscious that he wasn't truly aware, but he was subconsciously aware. And it was representative of that idea. And then it triggered a bunch of people, and maybe everybody should be upset about it. And Dave Messman, I'm t you're totally in the wrong. All right, maybe that's all true. And maybe it's not. Maybe it is a just a weird thing that happened. Not everything is about somebody trying to hurt somebody else on a deep, deep level. Sometimes, sometimes a I, this isn't an expression. Sometimes a fish is just a fish. I think there's some other phrase that goes in there. Um, but sometimes things are just what they appear. And we connect to these narratives because it makes people feel better sometimes to sit in that emotionality. It is... It is the easy thing to do, and it, right, this is the difficult thing. It is the easy thing to do to sit in sadness and fear. It is the hard thing to do to say, that really sucks, and now I'm still going to fight through it. And growth happens through pushing through pain. Sitting in pain doesn't move people forward. Investment. What about people who can't move forward? Okay, well, they can sit in their pain. There are people who are in really difficult situations. And I feel sorrow for them. And everybody still makes good decisions, or they should. Dave Espen, not everybody has the ability to make good decisions. They don't? Maybe not make good decisions, but don't make bad decisions. If you are an adult, I've said this before, it is incumbent upon you maybe not to make good decisions, but don't make bad decisions. If you are an adult and you are not making decisions emotionally, not for immediate gratification, it is incumbent upon you to take a longer term view and sometimes put off 
the easy thing that's in front of us for the long-term thing that's good for us. And that's nuanced because there are so many people in so much pain and people still make good decisions. The idea that people are so hurt that they can't make good decisions is on a level coddling. It is giving people reasons and space. It's an emotional want to give them that space to avoid any further pain for them. If they're already in pain, we don't want them to feel any more pain. Therefore, we will try to alleviate their pain by not letting them be accountable for decisions. And no, I'm not talking about, like I'm talking about everybody, okay? My mind goes to this of how I will be, how that can be straw manned and saying, Dave Vestman, you're talking about minorities or anybody else has been marginalized. Not really. I'm talking about white people too. I'm, there are so many kids in their 20s who think that they are victims of a system, victims of oppressors, victims of the 1%. And I'm not even saying that's not true, FYI. Uh, I do believe on a level we live in an oligarchy and that there are... people with money who are and power who are leveraging that money and power to keep themselves with money and power by not letting those beneath them climb the socioeconomic ladder as easily as they should because they are concentrating on their own needs and wants a selfishness I do believe that and at the exact same time everybody works everybody fights everybody tries hard everybody makes good decisions that's how it should be and those things are logical choices and if people are giving to their emotions they are giving into I don't feel like it or it's hard or the system as it's constructed is against me, which it is, by the way, for all of us. It is hard. It is hard to do this podcast. It will be hard to get an audience. It will be hard for me to find some way to get paid for these opinions that everybody hates. And I do it anyway. And Dave Messman, you were looking through your, through your white privilege lens, correct? I am. This is a truism separate from all of that. I talked about this, I believe, in episode 123. Everybody who works hard isn't successful, but everybody who's successful works hard. So working hard is required for being successful. And we can concentrate on those who work hard and aren't successful because the system is rigged against a lot of people based on color, gender, sexual orientation, gender expression, um, you know, also people who aren't as smart, people who are handicapped, people who are all these things, and they all put forth their best effort, 
and look at things with a glass half full perspective because that's if you have a positive expectation for how things will play out you'll do things if you have a negative expectation of how things will turn out you won't do things because why would you do something that's going to turn out poorly so when we sit in a negative emotional space we don't do things investment I'm sitting in a negative emotional space and you I still do things you do but you don't do as many things and it is incumbent upon all of us again to work hard see things through a positive lens that's the logic of the world the emotion of the world is I wish this world wasn't so hard. The logic of the world is this world's a rough world. I better adapt myself to it and work hard and fight. And let's see. Oh, here's a point I wanted to bring up. I brought up that Tyson Fury story and it was it was written by certainly a social justice through a social justice lens and I judge a lot of people will think that sounds nuts and then I thought well Dave Messman why are you bringing up really fringe stories and I should also point out that I read the, the comments underneath that Facebook article and many of them agreed with it agreed with the analysis that it was a continuation of the slavery idea of white people being entitled to black bodies and that's sort of the point is that when people say things out loud other people listen and informs their ideas and then they use that to form their worldview so the public space that we create and the emotionality and the things that we say these things become culture and the more people that are listening to their feelings and expressing how they feel, and if those feelings are invalid, it doesn't matter. They are still expressing those feelings out loud for other people to hear, which is a cue slash sign that those feelings are valid. Otherwise, why would you be expressing them? It, it lets people feel or see other people who are in pain and say, I feel that way too. A lot of people feel that way. And that's a problem. And it is a problem. It is a problem when you feel bad, but that doesn't mean something outside you needs to change all the time. And sometimes it's internal. Sometimes when somebody hurts your feelings, you shouldn't be so sensitive to have your feelings hurt. That's a hard thing to hear. I bet. It's um, a lesson I could have learned earlier. I was, as a, as a human being, very defensive. And people hurt my feelings, I hurt their feelings. That's not okay. And, right, so the larger point is, sometimes when people hurt my feelings, it was because I made a mistake and it's feedback. 
it's criticism. Criticism hurts. Sometimes criticism doesn't come to you nicely. Sometimes it shouldn't come to you nicely. You really screwed up. And if you screwed up, you should hear about it, and it's going to hurt. And if we're trying to protect people's feelings, what's literally happening, this is happening, whether people feel it or not, and it, it is, I don't know if it's subconscious, but it is, it is not something that we are necessarily aware of as we're doing it. I don't judge. I judge that people are being softer in their feedback and people are being more sensitive to feedback. And that adjusts how people behave. People are, feedback and criticism are a way to calibrate other people. And so I'm saying people are less calibrated. People are sometimes the extent to which people are, they, they behave. They're, in this case, I'm talking about their emotionality. Like people can, should be saying to people, you are out of line. You, you're very upset about this. I hear that and I see that. And it is disproportionate to the situation. Disproportionate emotional expression is not okay. If the situation is a three, you treat it like an eight. That's not okay, and you need to hear that. And the hard part is when we say all feelings are valid and you are disproportionately angry because you're really sensitive to criticism or sensitive to difficult situations because you have been put in any difficult situations because the world has coddled you and I don't just mean your parents, I mean society and people not criticizing you and you reading on Facebook and Twitter that this crazy emotional expression is okay, you can have disproportionate reactions and that's not okay. So it all flows together in this weird river of being told that all feelings are valid, which isn't true. We don't have a sense anymore of where to draw the line. And the line should be drawn, I think, about whether or not something serves you. And that requires some sense of logic, thinking ahead taking a larger view, not dealing with the immediacy of the moment, because feelings are generally very immediate. There isn't a long-term thought that goes into it. When you're playing video games and you don't want to do your homework, that emotion of wanting to stay playing is an immediate one. You're not connecting to the longer-term time horizon of the logical choice of doing homework. I should wrap up this podcast. This is a difficult conversation because people want to be heard. People deserve to be heard. And 
every emotional expression exists. It exists. But calling it valid implies that it should be acted upon. And the point I'm making here is that not all feelings should be acted upon. Sometimes feelings are crazy or they don't benefit you and therefore they shouldn't be acted upon. And that's an important distinction. And this isn't to say in any way whatsoever that people who are hurt don't have their own truth and their own problems. And the real question is, if we play out your emotions the way that you think something should be done, if we look at it through a long lens, does it actually serve you? And like we get to decide emotion by emotion, but if things make your situation worse, when we really look at it, then it's not a valid emotion. So that's it. That's the end of this podcast of How to Human. If you have any comments or death threats, please send those to howtohumancdt at gmail.com. If you hated this podcast, give it five stars on iTunes and then send it to all your friends telling them how terrible I am. If you liked this podcast, give it five stars, send it to all your friends and tell them how terrible I am. And I will talk to you next time on How to Human.